Yes, 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 you're listening to Word Spoken Podcast, the poetry podcast which brings you the best. This is episode 17 of the show and we've got Mr. Malise coming on and boy am I excited about that. So before I tell you a little bit about Mr. Melise, uh, a couple of quick things. So uh, if you want to give us a follow on Instagram, head to Word Spoken Podcast. We've also got a Facebook page under the same name. Um, and I've also just literally today started a Twitter page, right? So it's Word Spoken Pod. I have zero followers. So the first 10 people to follow me on Twitter uh, will get a shout out next week. So that'll be fun, you know, be part of something. <laughs> I just need the support, really. But yeah, and then also uh, on the website, uh, it's www.wordspokenpodcast. Go and check it out. Um, there's, you know, loads of good stuff on there for you to have a look at. So, um, talking nonsense. So this week we've got Mr. Melise coming on to the show. Um, so to give you a bit of background to Mr. Melise, I guess you could kind of break his career down in three parts. So the first part of which is his music career. Um, for 15 years, he's been an MC uh, under the name of Champagne Bubbler. Um, if you want to go check out uh, his music or give him a follow on Instagram, head to Champagne underscore Bubbler. Um, through his music career, he's worked with people like Miss Dynamite, Akala, Wiley, and he's even supported a little lone rapper who goes by the name of Stormzy. He works with the BBC quite a lot. He works with BBC Introducing up in Nottingham, um, and and he's been on BBC Radio 1 numerous times. Um, so, yeah, I am so excited that he's come on to Word Spoken. So the next kind of part of his career is obviously his spoken word career. About a year and a half ago, he got into writing spoken words and he kind of debuted that with a piece called Knife Sentence, which is the third piece you're going to be hearing today. And it's also the piece that's going to be up on YouTube and IGTV. So go and check it out because it's an amazing piece and it's, it, it started his career off in spoken word. Um, and I think you can kind of see in his performances, and I guess, in fact, in all three of the performances you're about to hear from him, you can really tell that he's come from the music scene. His, his command of the microphone, his, his energy, his professionalism is uh, really, really impressive. So you um, are really going to like the three pieces that you hear. The third part to his career is the work that he does with charity. So in 2019, he set up a charity called Knife Crime Victim Support. It's now one of the most prominent and active knife crime groups across social media, specialising in supporting those in the community that have been directly affected by knife crime, gun crime, gang activity and serious youth violence. Through the charity, he's had a bit of a career change and is now a professional youth mentor, working with young kids and changing lives. So it's really important, the work that, that he does. Um, and it all kind of started from this knife sentence piece, which you're going to hear at the very end. It's also a piece that caught the attention of Britain's Got Talent. Um, they really, really wanted him, him, him to come onto the show and we have a little conversation about how that went and why that ended up not happening in the show. Um, so, if you want to give him a follow on Instagram, head to who is Mr. Melise. Uh, all one word, very simple. The three pieces we get to hear from him today are Flowers Through Concrete, When the Hashtag's Gone, and finally Knife Sentence. So, yeah, I think we should just jump straight on into it. This is the first piece we're going to hear from Mr. Melise, and it's entitled Flowers Through Concrete. You know sometimes when you're walking along a path and you might randomly see 
Some flowers amongst grass seemingly growing straight through the concrete. Well, that's like you and me. Because somebody might just walk past and not necessarily appreciate the beauty. Or understand what we went through just to be here. When we met, it was like we realised we were planted in the same space for a reason. You've been trying to climb through hard times and I think you said you had a feeling. That my story wasn't much different. The more we talked, the more we gave each other pieces of us. And in order to move forward, we needed to make peace with our past. There were times when I'd lift you on my shoulders and try to leapfrog over our barriers. Not knowing what the future holds, or where the wind would carry us. But still, we fell head over hills through meadows and fields. I'm not sure when, but we agreed to let go and build. And you could talk to me about all your insecurities. Lay on my chest and fall asleep with my loyalty. Honestly, I had trust issues then, but I promised you all of me. Anyway, I rate the way we can rave till the next day or just stay in sometimes, watch films and get a takeaway. Totally entangled, babe. Away from our enemies. Playful but penniless, just making our memories. Us against the world and nobody could F with this. Remember this. When I'm sitting on your kitchen side and you tiptoe to get a kiss. Now that's ultra cute. I don't know what it is, but I feel proud when I'm holding you. And I hope you're proud too, going out with an older dude. But age is nothing but a number, I'll be flirty forever. We can always mess about and be nerdy together. Talking for hours about space and religion, even though your opinion is majorly different. You'd get angry when I talked and get mad when I didn't. So I called you a brat, because with you there's no winning. Like when you asked me to choose out of five pairs of shoes. I'd say the black ones so you'd wear the blue but that's just you and that's just me trying to help with your heels my way of saying thank you because you helped me to heal you see that right there yeah I felt it for real which is why when your eyes are wide shut and the stars are voluminous I whisper in your ear that you're the centre of my universe because you mean more to me than just a Pandora bracelet we've laughed and we've cried We've handled it, we've faced it. So today is your day, go and choose your best dress. We'll go out and celebrate the prince with his princess. And we'll walk along the path where the grass and the flowers grew. And I'll turn around and say, P.S. I love you. Mr. Melise, thank you very much for performing that first piece for us on Word Spoken. And thank you for coming down, man. It's a real pleasure to have you on the show. Do you know what, Henry? Thank you for having me. Inviting me. <laughs> uh, how are you doing on this uh, lovely and gloomy uh, Sunday? Are you doing all right? Well, there is a lovely side and there is a gloomy side, but it's more lovely since we've been down here. So. <laughs> <laughs> down in the basement. Yeah. <laughs> Well, look, um, there's a lot I want to speak. Uh, I want to speak to you about. Mm-hmm. Um, that's mainly because you have uh, achieved so much uh, so far in your career. So there's a lot of different aspects to it. There's um, your obviously music. There's your music career. There's your mm-hmm. spoken word career, which has been a more recent thing in your life, yep. and obviously the charity work um, that you are involved with. But first, I thought it would be good um, for our listeners to get a little bit of a backstory to you from your your point of view and maybe your journey mm-hmm. um, to arriving at becoming a spoken word performer. Okay. Um, 
I originate from kind of, I've always been in and out of different music scenes. Um, um, I was kind of in, inspired and influenced by lots of what my cousins used to listen to. And they were quite eclectic. They used to like live in IB for and they were pretty chilled and they were proper characters. Um, so I had like little tasters from everywhere. You know, my mum used to be into like Billy Idol and it's a nice day for a white wedding and all that. Yeah. And, then, and then like my dad would be into kind of Frankie Paul and um, Gregory Isaacs and uh, all the kind of lovers rock. Yeah. So there's an element of that. Uh, but essentially, I, I, I got into the kind of dance scene with like uh, with obviously drum and bass you, as that emerged as mm-hmm. a scene. Being someone who used to write kind of raps and lyrics when I was younger, um, I know a lot of people do say this, but, you know, we hadn't forged our identity in the UK yet. So I think in the UK, we were often imitating what American rappers were doing and mm-hmm. we were even sounding American. So when you start to come back over here and you start hearing people like Skipper D and Det and all them kind of drum and bass MCs and you're like, yo, come on, this is me. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I kind of uh, started to, you know, um, get involved in the drum and bass scene uh, in a, with my English language twang. And mm. um, from drum and bass, fast forward a little bit, got into garage scene. Um, they're like closely related at the end of the day they're like cousins so musical cousins and uh, 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 yeah I did pretty well in that scene and I still am part of that scene yeah yeah you know? yeah yeah so, yeah. so so your name in uh, for your music side of things is Champagne Bubbler Champagne Bubbler it's a yeah. fantastic name that Thank I love you, it <laughs> and also I was listening to some of uh, your tracks which are up online I mean they're, they're, I mean, they're, they're fat mate do you know Thank what I mean some of them are wicked man I really really like them and you've, you've also worked with a number of uh, very well known people throughout your music career yeah especially like in the garage scene and um, I've, I've toured across Europe and I've been in and around uh, like Cyprus is like a home from home I've always been to Ayanapo and uh, there I've been lucky enough to support people like Stormzy and people like Lethal B and mm. Wiley um, doing Eskimo dance and, and stuff with Trevor Nelson on the beach and things like that. So closely affiliated with what BBC was doing. Um, I was kind of there at the at the height of Ayanapa being the urban music island. And <clears throat> so I was blessed. I was, I was blessed to have positioned myself yeah. there at that particular time. It's just like, wow. You know what I mean, I took a risk. I just got on a flight. I literally looked for an apartment and stayed there. I stayed really? there. And you, so you basically base yourself there. I'm like, right, I'm going to get in this somehow. Yeah. And uh, that, that's essentially how all all, all kind of went. Then. Yeah, I was kind of I was kind of known on the underground scene. Yeah. Floating about, but because I was like from Northampton and not London, <laughs> I had to dip in and dip out. Do you know what I mean? In, yeah. Into into London as a city. So you'd see people every now and again. And you see the scene. So what I did in Napa is imagine that I'm, I'm just walking down the road and you see DJ like an MC Nate. Or you're walking up the road and you see, we're loving it, loving it, loving it, like DT and that. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, okay, so what I would have, would have took me probably one or two years in London, because I would have only seen them at the weekend. I was doing it like daily, was like in the KFC queue and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Other brands are available. <laughs> uh, so we was in the queue and it's just like, yeah, we'll get to know each other. And then banging out my kind of, I, um, I had a hook, which is, so people used to pick up on that and then they go to the bar and that and then when they're because obviously everyone's on holiday yeah and they're treating themselves and spending money that they haven't got 
So when they uh, getting champagne, we used to see him going, bubble up, love, bubble up, champagne, bubble up. And they don't even know I'm just standing there. I'm like, yeah, come on. <laughs> that, uh, you must have had a lot of fun out there. A hundred percent. So what would you say then in your music career were the kind of like a couple of highlights for you personally? Music career highlights. Um, I always say, I, I always remember Dance Valley um, in Amsterdam. Because mm-hmm. I used to, I used to, they used to fly me to Amsterdam, like, um, someone who ran a club over there called Sinners in Heaven. And um, they they said, you want to come over like kind of weekly or fortnightly? And I said, well, I don't want to necessarily come over every week, but I'll come over most weeks if I'm not booked in England. Mm-hmm. Uh, long story short, they did a, a, um, um, a big festival called Dance Valley. And uh, like that, I think they had Chemical Brothers and, and Orbital and those kind of acts there. And I remember just going on stage and because I think it's Orbital or Chemical Brothers, they wore these glasses, these DJ glasses with lights at the side. Yeah. And so their followers must have come with those glasses as well. So it was dark in this massive valley, just on the outskirts of Amsterdam. And everyone was like, doo, 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 and you could just see thousands of people going. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I was on that stage alongside like legends like them. Yeah. So through your music career, you obviously uh, know how to A... Um, get a crowd going and B, write lyrics, right? Mm-hmm. Which are two very, very good skills when looking to get into spoken word. Yeah. Um, and I think they are so visible in your, in your work. Um, you know, in that, in that, in that first piece we just heard, like you, you can really convey, I, I mean, I guess maybe not so much in the first piece, but in the second two, mm-hmm. um, that we're going to hear from you, you, you can really inject passion and power. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess the first one was more kind of soft and, gentle which was lovely to kind of to see uh both of those two things yeah so thank you for sharing so 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 what was it that kind of led you then so after having a very successful career in music what kind Mm. of led you to writing a bit of a different style of lyrics and actually doing some more um, and getting into even Mm. spoken word i think with me there's always kind of been like an alter ego running alongside champagne bubble like a deeper person or more kind of Bubbly is a is an ego, and he's a, a reflection of, or you know, of my ego, so to speak. And there's not necessarily a depth. He's just a party boy, and I think that there is a depth. There was a depth there that needed to be talked about and addressed. And mm. I think going back to like my my cousins and that, they introduced me to people like Gil Scott Heron and like even like Mike Skinner and stuff. When he started to just talk kind of slower on on a yeah. beat, almost like it it wasn't he wasn't rapping partic- technically. It was. I think that was. I've, I think it's spoken word, right? Yeah, I yeah, know. Oh, a hundred percent, man. Yeah. Yeah. So with that, I think uh, it's something that when I was in a period of kind of reflection, a period of okay, you know, I've I've done lots in in the, in the dance scene, and I, I've just there's just always been someone kind of knocking at the door saying, "Oh, come on, open that door, and let's get a little bit deeper with this." And so that's where I thought that I could. Um, uh, get into spoken word and use it as a period of reflection to air my frustrations, to air any anxieties, to end uh, any thoughts and feelings, and to get that that on paper, almost as if it's like my own therapy. So it's a it's a place of therapy. Yeah. So then, okay. So when you got in spoken words um, a year and a half ago, right? About that, yeah. About that. So, so having uh, done music uh, for all that time and mm. being that, as you kind of said, that that persona of champagne bubbler, like the party boy, 
Um, the first time you're up on a mic, right? And there's no, well, there might be music behind you. I'm not sure whether there was the first time you did Probably it, were there? No, there wasn't. So, no. Okay, so there's no music behind you. Yeah. You've got no persona to kind of hide behind or to, or to kind of, you know, use as a tool on stage. You're just you, yeah. right? What was that like for you? Yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> you're right. Scary, it's, right? It is because you are, you're stripping back to the bare bones and you're, and you're showing your vulnerabilities and you're, you're like, that is close to the real you as you're going to present to the public, really. You know, when, mm. sometimes when I'm talking about romance or when I'm talking about uh, mental health and, uh, and things like that, you're, you're sharing that with uh, quite a small room as well, relatively small room compared to the raves. In raves, you just see faces. Mm. Like, and, you know, obviously they're partying and drinking and whatever. So, uh, but then, so they're not necessarily, they're engaged, but they're not engaged like a poetry uh, audiences oh, yeah. like they're literally sitting there and hanging off of your every word if i made a mistake of champagne bubble you'd be like yo reload the track <laughs> <laughs> when you, you, you can't, can't quite that do that word. you can't no, no. <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't work as well would it pull up that <laughs> <laughs> so what was it yes yeah, so what was the first poem you performed the first time that you did it um that was um at a place called the three peas Mm-hmm. And so I've got to give a massive shout out actually to Akafella. Oh yeah. He's he's one of the first people that put me on in London actually. Um so I did knife sentence there and Oh did you? Okay. Yeah. Nice. So it did uh, it, it was really well received and seemed to resonate with with the audience. And away from London I did um Birmingham Hippodrome actually. Just as an open micer actually. And uh <laughs> I cheated because I put myself down as uh Quint, you know when you put your yeah nobody if anyone's listening to this don't do it yet because we'll all be cheating but i put myself down as quinton you know when you put your name in the, like a little pot yeah and yeah, you yeah. can get it out yeah so i put it down as quinton then i put it down as mr melise then i put it down as uh, Ooh, bubbly as well clever bubbly. <laughs> yeah and so they was like luckily if they, it didn't go quinton thank you and Next then mr melise <laughs> i'm like you have to go back down again uh but yeah that was birmingham hippodrome was one of my first uh performances of night of Nice sentence. Nice sentence is the first one that I've first poem that I've performed publicly. Was it the first one you ever wrote? No, no. You've been re- you've been writing for a while. Yeah, I used to kind of mess around with the spoken word and you know kind of take away the beat or almost because like you know I come from hip hop a hip hop background and a rap UK rap background or whatever. Um, so I used to see that in fact some of the lyrics that I could write if you take the beat away. Yeah, actually just sounds well they say that anyway don't they they mm. say it's a spoken word but my real spoken word was the when the hashtag is gone i think yeah and that's the um the one i'm, one I'm going to share with you today as well yeah and it's the one that talks about the anxiety and depression and the day after world mental health day when everyone kind of uh seems to jump on the bandwagon and says yeah it's okay not to be okay and and they um you know and you don't see them the next day. Someone could be suffering from mental illness and mental health issues. And, you know, the train rolls through the party sort of thing and then goes away. And then they're still there, stuck. So, yeah. So, so, when, so when did you write the second piece that, that you're going to perform for us, which is entitled When, when the Hashtag's Gone? I wrote that, I think. Um, I wrote it in kind of 2018, 2018, mm-hmm. um, mid, mid 2018, I think. Um, and put it on Facebook and just thought, okay, it's probably going to get a couple of thousand. And it just it just kept going and going and going and going and going and going and going. I remember I was in the pub and it, my phone just kept going, ding, 
ding, ding. Yeah. I thought, oh, okay, I didn't, you know, I've put, I've put stuff up as a musician all the time and you get like notifications. But this one particularly was resonating with an audience. Yeah. I mean, look, I like think uh, I can really understand why, right? Because uh, in this piece you have, obviously you, well, A, you perform it really, really well, but also yes. the content of it really kind of matters and it's really relevant now like now i i mean i think it always has been but mm. it's, it's i guess it's more of a conversation which is being had now mm-hmm. um so so do, do you find then through your spoken word that that's then allowed you to kind of open up and have these conversations with yourself and has allowed you to learn about yourself yeah um a hundred percent i think that you know some sometimes when i'm writing i have to go into this uh, kind of uh this this space and i turn into almost a recluse and it almost sounds like a cliche, but yeah, I think you have to do it really if you want to be real and honest and tell your truth. Mm. Um, so there's an element of kind of spirituality there when you just need to shut yourself off. And but I do, I did re- I researched kind of mental health and looked at do- like documentaries of elements of um, like even things like ADHD or bulimia or anorexia because I wanted to understand kind of what everyone was going through. Because I wouldn't say that I've, you know, suffered from clinical depression or, you know, everyone gets anxiety, don't they? So I was in a period where uh, I did feel that I needed to write for that therapy. And I, I, did, I, I did need to go to a space yeah. rather than just being happy-go-lucky champagne bubbler. Yeah. And uh, that's what kind of came off of the back of it. Okay, great. Well, look, I think we're going to listen to your second piece now. So, um, yeah, I cannot wait for people to hear this one. As I said, it's a really uh, great piece. You perform it really well, but it's also really important for people to hear this message. So, yeah, we are going to hear from Mr. Melise when the hashtag's gone. I suppose that was nice, wasn't it? Everybody stopped and thought about you for a day. For a moment there, you felt like people could relate and you're reading posts on their page like, it's okay not to be okay. But it's easy for them to say. Because now they've all gone away and you're the only one that has to stay. And I can sense that you're frightened. Your chest has just tightened and your senses are heightened. The fight that you're fighting must be terrifying. Shrouded in darkness and just trying to let that light in. You even thought about dying But hold on Lamb of God with the strength of a lion Life goes on Tell yourself that you matter Let yourself know that you're number one And when that thought pattern's begun You start to undo what those voices have done Cause they've been getting worse for years And I hear that Sat behind the shower curtain for hours And wiping tears back But now I'm certain if you're empowered All your demons will fear that You've been dreaming you'd see that From the day they tormented you From the first time you withdrew and your bestie lost a friend in you No one's taught what you're meant to do On your side or theirs but I'm sure they still care And if you call they'll be there But if they're not the ones to console your soul They'll be there when you're ready though Try not to let go Read between these lines Know that we all pretend to be fine when we're posting online Yes your reflection has imperfections like mine And yes I feel like throwing the towel in sometimes but I say that with sensitivity and every sincerity Cause you and only you can understand the severity Of your sense of despair and your insecurities When you put on that brave face and pretend it's alright When you lay in bed all day and 
can't sleep at night Holding your pillow tight Muddled and stressed Upset for no reason in puddles of sweat As a child when you were sad did mum cuddle you then? Have you lost her now? Or have you flown the nest? Did relations break down or are you seeing her less? Cause when it hurts us It feels like we all need to be nurtured Instead you're wandering alone and feeling misunderstood so come on Come out from the woods Build a network around you There's support out there you'll be glad that you found you Give them a piece of your mind Cause you need peace of mind Don't look back at the demons that you're leaving behind And people be kind Show support when there's flashbacks Show them that to you they mean more than a hashtag Cause mostly society stigmatizes anxiety But if you can hear me I promise you won't suffer quietly Oh, so that was Mr. Melise with When the Hashtag's Gone. Um, whew, there's so much I want to say about that piece. <laughs> that was um, that was really, really amazing. I love the production on that. I love the kind of building um, beat and the kind of building pace of it. It was, and your, you. and your performance as well, man. Thank, thank you for you. sharing that with us. Um, that was really great. So yeah, um, what I'd really like to have a little chat about now is obviously with... Um, with your kind of step into spoken word, you've also gotten involved with a lot of charity work. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about your charity work from your, from your point of view, mm-hmm. what kind of issues you deal with and where, um, what that's kind of led you to do now? Yeah, I think um, with that, it's almost as if I've come full circle because um, writing when the hashtag has gone, like I said, was a period that I needed to, uh, just address some issues and almost detach myself and isolate myself a little bit um, to, to kind of find my path and, and uh, make reparation almost. Mm. So so the way it's come round is because I started a charity off of the back of uh, releasing Knife Sentence. Knife Sentence as a poem resonated with lots of people. Lots of people kind of reached out to me, um, even mothers who had sadly lost sons, uh, sisters and brothers who've lost siblings um, uh, to knife crime. And, you know, my inbox was filling up and filling up and filling up. And it's just like, oh, my God, I, I heard your poem. It's amazing. It's a really powerful piece. Um, it's very poignant, very profound. So I was uh, hearing all these words. And I, I, I was surprised. Um, but I did know that I, I did immerse myself into that kind of world. Mm-hmm. And because I'd been a victim of knife crime myself, I got stabbed when I was like 19. I got stabbed like seven times. So it was just like, I think something I wanted to talk about and it was an issue that was close to my heart. And so when I saw how many people out there needed kind of support, I thought, well, I can do this. I can do this. I can try to help mm. in a small way. And um, because I've already got a platform as Bubbly and because I've got a platform I like across social media as a, as an artist it was the ideal time to ca- i could launch something pretty quickly you know and we called it knife crime victim support and uh, got the logo done as well so it's it quite kind of stands out there and comes across looking quite professional yeah and um so like so like what what are the types of things that you do with the charity well <laughs> initially what we did wanted to do is we wanted to offer respite for for victims of knife crime and almost kind of um <clears throat> have weekends away from their area or their end, so to speak, where they're, you know, might be in 
immediate kind of threat or danger and just need to get away. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's lots of red tape between going to that and safeguarding and things like that. You can't just take a minibus of people up to Blackpool or something. Do you know what I mean? No. So the, 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 easy, the, the, the best way, the way that we approached it was um, reaching out to kind of families or families were reaching out to us. For example, we've helped families financially who had to go to temporary housing. Mm-hmm. Or because the social services have said that you can't be at the house because of the family that you're you're in danger. Now, social services obviously will pay and 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 repay that money back, reimburse. But initially, have they got the money in the first place? So we've helped families like that. We also offer kind of uh, support online, on email, on the phone, um, um, you know, and we guide people to other services. Mm-hmm. that are well-placed to be able to help. So that's the knife crime victim support side of things. Yeah. And um, so away from that is, um, well, not away from that, what ties in with that almost like a kind of sister or sister company sort of thing is uh, we do uh, music, mentoring, arts and poetry. So it's called Map Workshops. Mm-hmm. And what that we do is we've partnered now with um, police forces because police forces were aware of the work that I was doing as knife knife crime victim support and lots of them had heard the poem so they kind of realized that i had a deep understanding of serious youth violence and the issues that surround gang affiliation yeah so they've reached out to me it's like an online cv that that poem because then people are like okay he gets it and so we've gone into uh work with councils and police and social services and things like that to help youngsters talk about their truth mm. exactly the same as what i have done um can can you give us a uh insight maybe obviously not going into case case by case but give us a l- little bit of an insight a background into some of the stories that you were hearing or um some of the backgrounds which which these kids have which you are working with yeah um that's the main thing isn't it uh, it's about results really and it's yeah. about making an impact so for example uh lots of youngsters haven't necessarily got a role model um we, we 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 do questionnaires we give out questionnaires at the start of the class and with the questionnaires we're like who are your role models and ask other questions and things like that lots of them say no so when i'm asking them about role models um they're saying not that i haven't got any so then i'm asking them to look a little bit further out of the family potentially so if it's not a role model as a father or a, or, or a mother in the house or whatever and it might be an uncle or it might be an uncle who's got a business and for example there was uh, someone who had an uncle who was who, who owned a plumbing company and so he, after, you know, peeling back the layers, he realized that he looked up to his uncle. So mm. what we did is we went online and started a, like a mock, uh, a mock plumbing company. And he named it and he named his initials, um, blah, blah, um, blah, blah, plumbing. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and I, I just showed him that this is in fact what you can do. You can aspire to do this. This is real. And it's just something that's attain- attainable and something that's achievable. And so it's almost can change his, like, change, his train of thought and his trajectory, you know? Mm. So things like that. And also when they are writing, and creative writing especially, you can ask them to, you know, reflect on their area and where they're coming from and what their concerns are and what their, their anxieties are and what their frustrations are. Um, I say get it down on paper and lots of them obviously like drill music and grime music and stuff like that but I say to them okay we're working with the police so you can't necessarily say I'm going to go out and 
Well, you, can't, you definitely can't say, I'm going to go out and shoot someone or stab yeah. someone. This is the sad thing about some of these kids, because that's all they've heard. When they're trying to recreate that, that's all they're going to write about. That is what they tap into, yeah. Mm. yeah. So the way I approach it is that, okay, still, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the drill beats. We work with a producer. I'll give you the drill beats. Uh, we'll get a video- videographer. So a videographer will come in and film it. So we'll make a video with them. We'll make like an, an EP with them. So they've got five tracks. And so they've just got something that's tangible that can say, look, I made this. And they, and they can talk about... They're not necessarily. They're not talking about violence, but they they, they could talk about their witnessed violence. Mm-hmm. They can talk about that they're um, affected by it or that they've seen it almost from a reporter point of view. So when they put that on paper, and they're not the antagonist, and they're not the uh, they're not inciting violence, then they can see it and reflect from another angle, another perspective, which is a more thoughtful and conscious and empowering perspective. I mean, I, I, I think the work you do with these kids, uh, mate, is amazing. And um, it must have so much value for them, you know, for, for like them to come away from a process, having thought about something, having put it into words, put it down on a page and then turn it into something which they can really relate to, like a, mu- like a you know, like a small e- like an EP and a video. They must be very, very proud of that kind of stuff. So, yeah. so uh, is, do you really, really notice a change in kind of... Um, I guess not personality, but uh, but a change in outlook from these kids having having done this work with them. Yeah, I, I do believe so. Um, I wish you could see. It. I wish you could be a fly on the wall because you do see them. Like first of all, that they, they come into the studio and they're all self conscious and they don't necessarily know the person next to them and they mm. come from different towns within the county or whatever or different areas and um, so they might have you know had altercations before. Um, but they're sitting in the studio because they know they want to be here. They've got a motivation to change. And so the, the barriers start to come down. And I think I can build a good rapport with them as well because I come from a similar background and I've kind of, you know, had experience with the criminal justice system myself and the language as well. I understand the language and the, and the slang and the dialect, uh, whereas lots of the authorities don't necessarily know. This is, they do what they do and I, I've got, there's a position for me to do what I do. Yeah. So it's kind of this multifaceted approach that we take. So what would you say then, obviously there's been quite a lot of news and press in the past couple of years, I think, of an increase in knife crime. Mm-hmm. So what, what would you say are the, are the sources of that rise? The sources of the rise of knife crime, I think, um, I do think that music plays a lot. That violent drill lyrics being drilled into your head. Mm-hmm. you know uh daily you know you, you get kind of nine ten eleven year olds that are singing i'm gonna chef you i'm gonna splash you i'm gonna dip you i'm gonna get my whap i'm gonna i've got my dotty when you're talking about a dotty you're talking about a laser sighted gun or a flip or a, or, or a shotgun you know mm. so it, it's got to have some sort of effect everyone has to take stock and realize what effect musicians have on us as uh, us or not us <laughs> what effect uh, musicians have on youngsters yeah so remember the traditional kind of everyone had their hero and they put them up on a poster and if they dressed in a certain way then they dressed in a certain way and if they acted in a certain way then they acted in a certain way so why all of a sudden when it's drill everyone's like no it's no it's that's not the reason for people behaving um, violently i'm not saying it's directly but it can be interpreted because you start to begin to learn to live a lifestyle yeah. When you live that lifestyle, you dress in that way. You act in that mannerism. You 
uh, speaking in, in in a particular way. So then you be, that becomes your social identity and then you identify yourself as that. Mm-hmm. When you identify yourself as that group, that's your now new in-group, what will happen is that you will attract other groups around you and they will question you and test you to see whether you're real. Because there's lots of kind of, okay, he's writing or he's talking like this and he's acting like this, but is he real? So then he's going to test you. And then if you feel like you're, you're going to be tested, you're going to feel like you're under pressure and you want to hold a knife. Not to say that this happens across the board, but I'm saying um, there is a culture now that's emerging from social media where Drill has been a poster campaign for uh, gang recruitment, mm. um, essentially, and showing that you can make money, showing that you can make £30,000 in two weeks and showing the youngsters how to do that. Why are they, why, why they going to look at their role models, if they had any, who's probably worked all their lives for probably £15,000 when they can see that how to make £30,000 in two weeks. It happens. Away from that, obviously, we, we talk about austerity being an issue. Yeah. Austerity is an issue. If you uh, peel it back the layers, you do see voids in kind of youth services and, and uh, uh, something for youngsters to do. Because we need to replace the feel-good factor that they're getting, the adrenaline, and that rush and that buzz and that fix that they're getting from being with gangs. It's excitement. Mm. So hopefully at the workshops, I'm like, okay, this, this is your replacement. This is your new source of excitement. And this is a positive way. You don't live, need to live the life that you're living. In fact, you can see this and it gives you another a new insight. Yeah. What like would you say is the biggest misconception surrounding the issue of knife crime? That's because because as I kind of said, it's definitely more prevalent in the media of late. So, what do you feel uh, is the most public is the, is the most common public misconception about knife crime? Most common public misconception about knife crime is um, the fact that it's called a urban inner city kids, or right yeah. or or black kids, black teenagers. Um, obviously that happens it does happen but it seems to be in the press a lot more yeah um but what about you know we've seen some of the figures and what about kind of uh there's situations of domestic violence and uh, when partners are being stabbed in the home um you know glasgow was one of the most dangerous places um when it came to knife crime and it wasn't coming from like kind of black inner city kids Hmm. it was coming from obviously other geographics and other demographics sorry Am I right that up in Glasgow, they've actually put, uh, put in a number of measures and the knife crime uh, stats there have dramatically fallen that's in recent right. years. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that's, that's really impressive. Are they, are, are they kind of then seen as a bit of a model for, for the rest of the UK to learn from? Exactly that. Um, what's happened is they've looked at it. Um, I've met the guy who started that in the UK. His name's Dr. William Graham. And he um, looked at it as a public health approach. Um, like it's a public health issue almost like a like a virus would be mm-hmm. so violence begets violence with, within an area so you can see a pattern emerging so he's addressed that and in fact our where i'm from which is northamptonshire are the first people to roll it out in england and so we call it the community initiative for reduction of violence mm-hmm. and it just so happened to be on my doorstep and i was working in a school of music um and it ties in well with with because uh, they're, they're partners and mm-hmm. um, so they partnered with the police and kind of by proxy I ended up working with both um, so yeah yeah. Um, 
the community initiative for reduction of violence the way the way that they approach it they're called serve so the way that serve approaches it is that we can help you if you've been arrested or if you've been detected as doing as being involved in kind of knife crime and drugs they will literally put a leaflet in your cell and say well you speak to us you don't have to like tell us about anybody else's activities but do you want to get out of this if you want to get out of this we can help you if you want if you engage uh, we can help you so they've got a choice because if they don't engage they're going to enforce they're going to enforce justice yeah 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 yeah. Um, but they do give you an opportunity so it's uh they open you up to kind of alternative provisions Mm -hmm. it's early it's early intervention it's identifying it so they're talking about prevention prevention methods and i'm i'm in the thick of that sort of thing with regards to kind of northamptonshire work with cleveland uh police uh constabulary and also Hertfordshire. And, and like I say, going back to what you were saying earlier with the differences, I'm seeing amazing differences mm. from these, these youngsters. Like the, the course that I do in Hertfordshire is only from, it's from five to eight, but we end up still there at 9.30 making music and just mm. chilling. And we all get pizza and they look forward to it. They yeah. arrive early and leave late. So that's just an indication straight away that they want to be on the streets. They're just excited. You know, they try to... Uh, you know kind of send emails and things like that and say you gotta listen to this so they, i know that they're wherever they are some of them are in care um some of them are at home with parents but they're at home and they're writing lyrics and actually please remind me because i'd like to show you a change in someone's lyrics from when they were spitting kind of drill mm-hmm. and talking about violent references to what they were speaking to a bit later on okay cool well look i think it's um (laughs) i think uh it would be apt now that we hear your piece which kind of started your career in spoken word and um started your kind of venture into your charity work which you do now which is which is very very impressive and very much needed and we need uh people like you to help us solve this problem so yeah this piece kicked it all off so thank you for bringing it down to word spoken it's i mean yeah you guys are gonna love this it's very very powerful um you really you really pour your emotion into uh this piece which is about a topic which is so so important right now so we are gonna hear mr melise with knife sentence Have we ever stopped to ask that boy that carries a knife What he wants to do when he's older If his parents are still together and who his role models are Cause I guarantee you he don't live next door to a doctor Instead he's more than likely to be riding with thugs And they're the ones in the community prescribing the drugs and Driving those cars And I wonder if As a teenager He's watching how the olders carry themselves and it's learned behaviour I wonder if by the age of 12 he never had a father and why? At the age of 13 he had his first balaclava. Was he ever scared? Is it that mum don't care? Is it just that she was never there? Maybe she's out trying to provide for the family. And by the time she gets back she feels tired and angry. Are the arguments at home? Is there a lack of affection? Are the boys outside offering you protection? From the youths up the road in a different postcode. The reason why he always go the long way home. So the olders on the block become your bigger brothers. Now it's almost as if you're related to each other. Gang related. 
Now we've got a council estate kid filled with hatred who needs to be initiated before he's fully affiliated. Is that environment just making him numb? Does he have a choice or is it safety in numbers? Because they're not meant to be your mentors. That's what we need grown men for. To lead by example and to nurture ambition. To teach discipline, to understand and to listen. And I apologise for generalising. For coming across like I'm stereotyping. But we all need to know we are marginalising a whole generation when we criminalise them. Who really wants to end up in prison or dying? And the social networks make it all look exciting. The way that gangs incite violence live online and it's followed by an advert to make sure we're still buying. And I'm not about to blame it all on drill. But thoughts become words and words become real. So tell me there's not a vested interest in what's manifesting. When all the kids can hear is I splashed him and I chefed him. Dipped him outside of his house and then left him. For his mum to find him. Have you been to a funeral and heard a mother crying? When her son's in the ground it sounds like she's dying. And it's been like this for years Wiping those tears and printing those teas Saying, put the knife down Blaming police, writing to our local MPs I've seen mums at knife crying Rallies begging on the knees like They've took my son, but make it stop, please And it's our responsibility Have you heard it takes a village to raise a child But we're losing our community So they're left to run wild And this isn't a time for answers or excuses but the youngers need to know there's consequences for their offences. Justice will be served if you're caught or let go. Because when you take a life, you forfeit your own. Mr. Meesley, thank you so much for um, performing that piece. Um, I think, you know, I've this is episode... Oh, wow. God, I'm going to question my maths here. Which episode <laughs> is this? I think it's episode 17. It is episode 17. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think we've yet have... Uh, we yet have had even such a poignant piece on wow. the show. Um, I think that's I've, safe to say. <laughs> totally humbled. Um, you've had some great artists as well. Well, thanks. No, I, I yeah. Honestly, thank you very much for performing that piece. Um, so I want to ask you a couple of little, uh, more questions about that piece. So I mm. saw uh, up on your Instagram that um, you were contacted by Britain's Got Talent to come and yeah. do this piece, right? Was that mm-hmm. so? Can you talk us through what happened there? Yeah, I think. Um, what had happened? I didn't even see the message straight away, but somehow they had they had found me on kind of Instagram, and uh, they messaged me there, and then they messaged me on my a couple of other email addresses. Um, so they got hold of me anyway, and they asked if I would perform perform that piece, and mm. in fact that I would potentially be the first spoken word artist. I think on Britain's, Britain's Got Talent. Yeah. Um. So I kind of pondered it. I I, I looked at things because after all of the work that I've done in, 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 in the charity and with using that, that piece in kind of schools and with um, uh, youth services, uh, police forces and things like that, I think it's a, it's, it wouldn't be the right thing to almost make it in, turn it into, with all due respect to Britain's Got Talent, mm-hmm. but turn, to turn it into a gimmick. And I wonder what would potentially happen if I was kind of like thrown into the spotlight Mm. And then, you know, almost thrown back out, really. And then you've got to kind of pick up, pick up the pieces of your career and maybe like tabloids would jump on. Someone might 
tell a story you never know just everything gets sensationalized doesn't it and i didn't want to be a part of that uh, circus really i'm because i'm really focused on what i'm doing and i'm really i'm really invested in what i'm doing Um, no like when i read that post you kind of put up where you kind of talk through why you said no to them i i i was i my kind of overall thought was that was a, a the right thing and also, and also, not an easy choice to make because, as you kind of said, you you would have been the first spoken word artist on there. Mm-hmm. Um, that piece, I mean, I can tell you now, I've watched that show, mate. That would have been prime time. You wow. would have been you, but 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 you very much would have been thrown right into the spotlight. They mm. would have they would have taken it and run <laughs> right. And and there may have been some up, many upsides to it, but there also yeah. they But if it could pull you away from the really important work that you're doing now, then it's definitely not worth it, is it? I and mean, that's basically that, what you said in that thing. post. In any case, I think it's a, it's a gamble and I think there's an element of risk there. And if there's an element of risk, I'm not prepared to take it, yeah. even if you think there might be. Well, there, there would be benefits. Yeah. And, you know, I had, I had, the vision, I had visions of, uh, you know, they'd probably provide me with a, a full or- orchestra, Oh yeah. So imagine doing that piece with a full orchestra, a full professional orchestra, a full professional orchestra that's kind mm. of like led by Simon Cowell, not on the orchestra, but you know, yeah. <laughs> financially led on the bassoon in <laughs> on the triangle. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think um, the production of it, if, if if I'd have got into the further stages, the production yeah. just would have been super powerful. But I think I mean, um, you would have got. Trust me, you would have done. But honestly, I think I I really think you made a wise choice there. So yeah, thank you, nice man. One. Thank and you. the other thing I wanted to uh, point out that which you mentioned before we started before um, before we started recording even mm. is uh, any keen cinephile. Uh, out there might have recognized the backing track to that nice sentence <laughs> and if they have that is super impressive but um tell us so you, so you obviously you know this is your this is your track you have the rights to it and everything yeah. but where else does that um music appear yeah you wouldn't believe it um right so that 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 track um behind knife sentence is produced by um an art um, a composer called george mendez and so when I was doing my research on George Mendes and trying to get hold of him and things like that on Instagram, on Twitter, I realized that lots of people have, in fact, used that piece, um, but on professional levels, on really high levels. And it was in uh, that film Up, where mm. the uh, guy, fly, the old man kind of flies away and he puts loads of balloons on his house, don't he? And, yeah. the, and the house flies away. <laughs> so <laughs> is it, does his... Doesn't he lose his uh, partner? His wife dies at the start of the film. Oh yeah. god, it, the film, mate! It tugs at my heartstrings. That, and it, it's it, it's it's a really great cartoon. <laughs> and when you told me that, I was like, no fucking way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it. it is. You know, to know that it is in that, and it's uh, he's achieved the, those levels, and yeah. then he's like getting into emails with me, and he knows he knows a little bit of where this project has gone and where mm. we've taken it. Um, so from up to kind of using it in in boxing clubs and and schools and and assemblies and yeah. he's super cool with it even though he's in mexico but cool cat big yeah up, big up george george <laughs> hey george <laughs> so um the other thing i wanted to have a little chat about so you briefly mentioned before we heard that piece um of some of the noticeable change in in the writing of some of the kids that yeah. you've worked with so can you give us an example of one of those oh well um i'd recently just done a, a conference or stroke seminar um in hertfordshire and one of the boys were prepared to come up and showcase what they've written now in front of police, in front of judges, in front, in front of uh, barristers um, and the community at large. And so imagine this is a, a youngster that's um, had been on charges for knife crime and 
been found in possession of drugs and things like that and has talked about using a knife or potentially using a knife and speaking that language that we were referring to with the drill mm-hmm. the drill language and so after this six week course at the moment with map workshops um I've just tried to instill this kind of new approach and this reflective approach and one that I take and that you'll realise when, when we've been speaking in the podcast. But um, yeah, I wanted to show you one uh, one particular boy and this is that boy. He's, he's, he's 15 years old. Hmm. Um, so I'll show you the whole piece? Yeah, yeah, why not? Yeah. I'll cough so I can do it justice. <laughs> I'm not even going to get deep on this. If you man knew what it was like, you would quit. Always getting myself trapped in other people's troubles, I admit, but then I couldn't even commit. Bro asking me to go and hit this shot, and every time I step in, my stomach gets a knot. Trust me, that's not even the best feeling, especially when you know your heart is peeling. Mother always preventing me from freedom. I guess this world never evolved from Eden. But we carry on from this trap. But it'll be harder with the man who has the straps. Dishing and dashing through these narrow gaps, carrying on to avoid the scraps. I pray that grandma flies high. I still see her face in my eyes. That is that is an amazing piece, man. From a right? 15 year old um, has written that. And I think uh, you should also be really powerful because you have facilitated that. Without the work that you do, uh, this 15 year old might not have tapped into those thoughts and might not have um, shown himself that, that he has a talent for this. Um, um, and yeah. that's just, it's really amazing, man. Well done. Thank you, man. It's I really think, cool. um, you know, massive amount of credit to, to him yeah. to have that, uh, confidence and to, to kind of expose his, uh, vulnerability and especially in front of the other boys as well that are watching him do that. Cause he did that in a studio and he got up and did it in, in a court because we what we in a mock court. It's mm-hmm. just like a mock court setup where we do the conference. Um, so, you know, Big shout out to kind of Hertfordshire Constabulary as well for facilitating that and the county council because they're prepared to invest in 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 the future of, of of youngsters and they're seeing these results and they're seeing that it's made an impact and in fact the detective superintendent kind of um, commended us all f- for for the work we're, that we're doing and I, I really do see I, I really do feel that it's powerful because like I say in life sentence thoughts become words and words become real. So we've tried to change the mindset and we've taken a positive approach to change and he's motivated to change. And this is the start of what we are, you know, this is the start of a, a new trajectory for him, I believe. Mm. Amazing stuff, man. Um, so the uh, my penultimate question before I ask you a little bit about your kind of plans and goals for the future is, uh, again, whilst I was flicking through your Instagram, I saw you were... Um, at none other than uh, BBC Radio 1 not too long ago. So can you tell us a little bit about what you were doing there with them? Radio 1. <laughs> <laughs> Radio 1 Extra? Or when it was- uh, well, I've been on there a couple of times because um, right, I work with BBC. I work for BBC Introducing as well. Mm-hmm. So in Northamptonshire, where you identify kind of uh, new and up-and-coming talent. And Northamptonshire is a melting pot of talent. It's kind of mad. S- Slow Thai comes from uh, oh, Northamptonshire. Yeah, yeah. And then there's an up-and-coming rapper called uh, FFSY, though, which stands for other stuff. I can't... No, can we swear? Yeah, yeah. For fuck's sake, why, though? <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, a yeah. fantastic name. Oh, that. she's amazing. Absolutely amazing. And there's another one called DB. Um, yeah, and so it's, I've kind of... I've seen these lot come up. Um, so I've been always closely affiliated with uh, BBC uh, One and, 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 and One Extra. I wrote a tune when I brought all of the best from my county together on one track. 
just to showcase that to initially BBC Northamptonshire, then one extra picked up on it and then Radio One picked up on it and it actually became uh, Tune of the Week. So That's mental, man. Yeah. Well done. Well, look, um, so my final question to you is, yeah, what are your kind of goals and ambitions for the year ahead or for the future in general? Um, to show these kids that we can give them recognition, appreciation and praise mm-hmm. uh, and to do what it says on the tin, knife crime victim support, lift the fallen, restore the broken and encourage the discouraged. That is what I want to do. That is my path and that is what I'm 100% invested in. Mate, well, look, thank you so much for coming down to Words Spoken and sharing your work. All three of those performances, as I said, they were just... Yeah, th- there aren't many people doing it like you do. I think that's probably the safe thing to say. Can I say this? Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> you can't say that. No, but it is, it is really true. And I think it's a credit to your obviously musical background, but also um, just your talent mate honestly um that's kind of a bit like of a blunt thing to say but 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 it is and um the fact that the first poem you ever kind of did was that knife sentence one we've, we've just heard now is um incredible wow. <laughs> so i wish you all of the best um obviously with your charity work and um keep on going with that of course um and i wish you all of the best with that it's very very vital work and it's very very much needed but also i wish you the best with progressing wow. uh your talent and career with spoken word um it's yeah definitely something you should never let go to the <laughs> side because because you know yes you wrote that knife piece sentence but look what it's turned into right um, a career change a life changer a whole life changer but for you yes but for so many other people as well hmm. um and you, you 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 can't say that about many other things so um yeah Thank you very, very much. Remind everyone where they can follow you or any of your charity work and any other kind of plugs and tags that you want to include. Before I do the plugs and tags, I just want to say thank you to you for inviting me onto this platform. It's amazing what you're doing and and, and giving people a platform to be able to speak uh, to people that they might not have reached out to before. Mm. So, thanks. uh, Yeah, thanks for having me. You're welcome. You can find me on on Instagram as uh, whoismrmelise. So... It's a bit hard to spell, but uh, <laughs> W-H-O. No, that's long. Uh, who is Mr. Melise? You're just going to have to find it somewhere. Yeah. Or, or champagne underscore bubbler. Uh, look for me on knife crime victim support. I think that's the most important one. Uh, knife crime victim support, one word on Facebook um, is, is really important. And look out for the work that we do with uh, music, mentoring, arts and poetry. Um, yeah. Twitter as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Quinton Melise. So you spell Melise, M-I-L-I-S-E. So if you can't find me initially, just rewind this. M-I-L-I-S-E. M-I-L-I-S-E. The MC is in the building, guys. <laughs> well, look, mate, again, thank you very much for coming down. I can't wait to see uh, what's, what you're going to be doing in the future because uh, if, it's anything, if the past couple of years are anything to go by, then it's only going to get bigger and better. Wow. So thank you very much, mate. And yeah, we'll see you all next week. Cheers, Cheers, guys. Thank you. Cheers, mate.